Welcome back, everybody, to River Do's and River Don'ts. It's the podcast where we go detail by excruciating, inexplicable detail through an episode of the CW television program Riverdale, an adaptation of the Archie comics. And we're going to tell you our River Do, the best thing in the episode, in our humble opinion, our River Don't, what sucked, and our weekly weird, that certain ineffable, non-Euclidean... Some might dare say Lovecraftian. God knows Jughead would say Lovecraftian. Je ne sais quoi about the Riverdale episode that we are going through that just maddens and harries our psyches and also compels us to delve deeper. I am Rob, joined again by... Quinn. And for season three of the Riverdale television program, yes, we've made it alive out of Riverdale, Get Out of Town, a very bad book. I'm sorry, I'll retake that. Riverdale, Get Out of Town, an exceptionally bad tome of bad writing. Uh, We're back into the TV show where maybe some things will happen, and we are joined for our journey through this TV show by a good friend of ours and terminal Riverdale enthusiast. Uh, Arlie, welcome to the program. Hi, happy to be here, I think. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's a choice. <laughs> happy to be here, I'm just not happy about, you know, the, the terminality, you know, as you... Uh, well, I mean, I call it well. like I see it. <laughs> so, yeah, season three. We couldn't quite be in chronological order with the books because the day before obviously came out well after season one, but Get Out of Town was released before season three was at least finished. So we are now able to follow directly on the heels of that very unsuccessful attempt to prove Archie's innocence over the summer with the uh, continuation of the show, which begins, of course, with chapter 36, Labor Day, directed by Kevin Sullivan and written by mad wizard, dimensional tyrant, Roberto Aguirre Sacasa. (laughs) So let's go ahead and really just get into this thing where, you know, we totally shift gears from the book and have lots of things happen. Those of you with us from the Pros and Cons episode, you're not gonna believe how much this book happens in the show yes but we're getting ahead of ourselves let's not spoil our own content here so oh i'm just i'm just putting out a teaser wetting the power yeah there you go there you go yep it's good we begin with jughead helpfully recapping the events of the summer conspicuously absent any reference whatsoever to the Burderer bombing, which is now the name of the events of riverdale get out of town that that specific crime the murder of a murder of crows, and the bombing of a disused gardening shed, which were the two things that happened in that book. That's it. We're starting this arc of that book not having happened strong. The DA runs down Archie's... The DA? Why did I write that? The prosecutor probably runs down the history of violence that Archie's got, and who boy, is... This is a real boy who cried red circle situation. Like, she's wrong about Archie in this specific instance, but holy shit, 
was he a mess in the last season? He was a mess. I also feel like we're doing the fans of the show, that being our show, not the show Riverdale, a disservice by not framing what this courthouse is, because this courthouse is ridiculous. This courthouse is, like, incredibly camp, like, arch, deep south courtroom. Oh, yeah. With, like, dust particles floating in the air and golden light, like, sort of shining through everything. Richly stained wood, everyone fanning themselves. Literally everyone fanning themselves. I spend the entire time expecting the prosecutor to say, well, I'm just a humble country lawyer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. But it, it is seems that ex- to me. Like, you, you don't have to see the show to see it in your mind now. That's what it is. <laughs> Also of note is the fact that the prosecutor's argument seems to literally contain the fact that there were no witnesses and that no one but Archie knows the truth. The person saying that he needs to be convicted of murder says there were no witnesses and no one but this young man knows the truth. Okay. That's a bold gambit. And again, if you like actually interrogate that claim with what we know about Archie... He is historically not good at keeping secrets. All of the secrets that he has tried to keep come to light, and he is made a fool for it. That's true. So why would he be able to keep this one under wraps? Like, it might not feel great, you know, as the defense attorney slash mother of Archie. One of many not actually a conflict of interest, we promise. Oh, yeah. Like, they just don't even touch that at all. Apparently, it's technically not. I did look into this. You can defend someone you are related to. You just can't prosecute or testify against someone you're related huh. to, I think. Interesting. Weird. That seems wrong to me. I, no, I, <laughs> I don't disagree, but apparently this is allowed somehow. Seems very ethically fraught. Uh, but it might feel bad as his mother slash defense attorney to say, Listen, I hear what you're saying. My boy... <laughs> My, my boy's dumb as shit. He can't keep a secret. <laughs> if he had killed that boy in the woods, you think no one would have heard of it? There's no way he wouldn't have fucked Veronica to a Top 40 song about it. <laughs> Come on. Right, yeah. I, I have to go. <laughs> Mary Andrews does the defense argument and it's extremely operatic it's basically the two of a one-two punch of wow is this guy ever the main character of a soap opera because he is painted as a devil using basically all actual things he actually did in the first argument and then painted as the best boy ever with other stuff that he also actually did in the second like it's like wow there too many things have happened to this dude for how old he is it's ridiculous much of it in this last year yes the judge then announces that it is a first degree murder charge Does which not is make any sense at all absolutely buckwild that's so hard to prove it would be second degree if they were actually charging him for murder wouldn't it like am i wrong on yeah. that yeah no it would yes, absolutely Arlie, you're wrong it's first degree murder. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if this um, were somehow real which obviously oh yeah no, i mean not- i don't even know if they would well here there's just no case like realistically, there's no case at all, and it and you can't even do a like murder is just setting yourself up to definitely fail. Like this, I mean, ugh, it's it's hard to bring logic into this because literally no one saw what happened. 
And, like, there's no motive. Except for Archie and his girlfriend's father's doorman. Just, yeah. That's a, like, that's a quote. It's, it's, it's absolutely, like, it makes no sense. But, like, first degree just really turns up the heat on that, because that's extremely hard to convict. And... <laughs> Of There's... course they're going for it, though, because the audience vaguely knows that first degree is the bad one. <laughs> so the stakes are higher! <laughs> yeah. And I know he's going to go to jail because of promotional material and memes. Mm-hmm. So obviously this first degree play was actually a good move by the prosecution. <sighs> Archie mopes outside the courtroom and has a dream vision of his friends deserting him. <laughs> His friends then show up and Archie reminisces about the Sweetwater Swimming Hall. Why did they stop going, he wonders. Oh, right, when they got covered in leeches. About which Betty is confused regarding if that was their real lives or a movie. How would you... Okay, what is this scene? What is this? They used to go to a place to swim. One time they got leeches, so they stopped going. And Betty doesn't know if that was real, like a real memory or a movie. And everyone just sort of, like, moves on from that. Why did someone write that into the script for the actress to say? Like, what happened? Because the immediate rebuttal is just like, bro, that that happened for sure. And she's like, oh, (laughs) Oh, okay, okay, I guess. (laughs) And it just moves on to the next scene. I feel like if I got leeches, I would remember. But maybe that's just me. You think? I don't think that's just you. I I don't under like I just for something that doesn't do anything in the show. This sure like opens up a lot of questions. Unless we're just running with the Adderall hallucinations storyline, right? Like she has taken some Adderall, and so like she's just become completely like an unreliable narrator of her own life. You know, like what happens when you take Adderall? Yeah, it's like crazy hallucinations, like just Salvador Dali ass shit in the general store bathroom for sure. But. The jury uh, is sequestered and will continue their deliberations after Labor Day because they're they're split. They can't come up with a decision. Hiram starts talking some shit outside the courtroom and Fred just fucking decks him. Hell yeah. uh, Which I appreciate. Yeah, big thumbs up to that. Yeah, good, like, more scenes of Hiram being punched in his face, please. Uh, We then switch to Dilton and Ben. Ah, yeah. Big hype from the book. It's Griffins and Gargoyles time, motherfuckers. They're at Pops. They've got their polyhedral dice. And they clam up real hard when Jughead approaches them. But Dilton nearly spills the beans about what game they're playing. I just want to put a pause here, right? Because this is something we record these episodes in three at a time. So we've seen ahead. Yes. In two episodes time, by the time we learn more about what's going on here, this scene no longer makes any sense. Not really. No. Like, we establish a level of, like, pomp and circumstance and secrecy around griffins and gargoyles. That you would not <laughs> does not match this at all. At Pop's chocolate shop. They were playing a decoy game. Right. Naturally. You didn't see... Flash forward. When we see the real shit, there isn't polyhedral dice. There's just six-sided dice. This game that looks like Dungeons and Dragons is a Kawarimi no Jutsu for the game. Right, and we're going to have to talk a lot about the game in episode three, but let's I save that for later. I can't fucking wait. As I can't well fucking wait. As you well know. I hate this shit. <laughs> 
So anyway, they're not going to tell Jughead what game they're playing. And then the next thing happens that pops, and oh, oh, give me strength. One, two, three, now we're playing with the big boys. <laughs> Rob, you need to watch. I think you should leave. Are you ready I'm for not... this? Are you ready oh. for this? Okay, so before before things go completely off the rails, we have a scene that in a different context would look normal. But folks, it's not fucking normal. The core four meet at Pops and desperately go over what moves they have left to prove Archie's innocence before it's too late. And of course, the murderer bombing is not mentioned. It's incredibly glaring. They even air the possibility of Going yep. to Shadow Lake! I lost to it. To look for I fucking, evidence! Yep. I fucking lost it. What if we did the thing from the book that just happened? <laughs> but Archie's like, no, that's stupid. I just want a normal weekend with my friends before the hammer comes down on me. Like, boy, would it be stupid if we went, like, oh, God, can you imagine <laughs> if we went to Shadow for Lake once, Archie was to right, look though, for evidence? It, it was stupid. It was really stupid. It was really bad. It was incredibly (laughs) stupid. But just the level of that book not being real is just spicy. (laughs) Then Cheryl, then Cheryl, she just busts in with like slow motion camera work and an incredibly invasive music sting. I love her so much. It's uh, it's, it's at a 12. Uh, she informs the core four that they're invited to a huge party at Thornhill to uh, celebrate the fact that Cheryl and Tony had a good summer, I guess. <laughs> that seems to be the in commemoration of my legendary road trip party. Yeah. I mean, that is some Cheryl, Cheryl, Cheryl shit there. Yeah. And and she does this the way she addresses the core four is very much like she's just beginning the next sentence in a conversation that they were already having together. <laughs> That's what Cheryl does. She lurks and she waits for the right time to enter the conversation, even if like it doesn't really make sense. Yes, yeah, she walked into Pops, but somewhere she was lurking, waiting. That's what she does. Yeah, she was crouched outside the window, <laughs> pressing the listen button. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, pressing the eavesdrop button. <laughs> That's exactly what she I- was doing. <laughs> Just neither the performance nor any detail of the production of this scene treats Cheryl anything like a normal character in a TV show or even in this TV show. There is just this incredibly heightened level of unreality about everything about her. It is like a fucking theophany. It's the visitation of a god. Yes. (laughs) Like, it's not just a person coming and talking. Like, it's a thing that happens. Like, it, it warps the frame of the fiction. Like, the sheer and force of Cheryl-ness. There are, there are definitely some questions that you could ask that, like, are easy to ignore because you're watching a television show. Like, hey, why didn't you just mm-hmm. text this mm-hmm. information out? But then bringing her in and heightening it this much then sort of brings the questions back around. Yeah. Like, I had suspended True. the disbelief, but now that you're, now that it's like this, like, I'm starting to question again. I feel like most questions about things that Cheryl does can be answered with because she's Cheryl. Cheryl qua Cheryl. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> it's just what she does. 
Cheryl, ergo Cheryl, as Rene Descartes famously said. Right. Yeah. So then Alice and Polly pick up what is clearly an old hobby horse of trying to get Betty to visit Edgar ever never at the farm. It's really uncomfortable, and we've certainly done that thing. You know how essentially Samus Aran at the beginning of every Metroid game stubs her toe and drops all of her power-ups that she picked up over the course of the entire uh, mm-hmm. previous game? I don't know if I've hit this metaphor before, but this is Alice's characterization again. We have a third season beginning, and we have antagonist Alice again, because that's how we start seasons of Riverdale, regardless of what happens in the previous seasons of Riverdale. You would think that after everything that happened in season two, like, they would be so close? You can argue that people's trauma responses are different, and that, like, the Black Hood Hal thing was really dramatic, and that maybe someone's preying on her vulnerability at the cult, like, clearly that's a thing. But, like, even with all that potential justification, Alice is just a different person than she was the last episode we saw her. And this person sucks. Oh, she sucks so bad. But also, when I say that this person is terrible, I also mean this person is my mother. She is exactly, like, my mother. And it's horrible. Yeah, it's real bad. Uh, Instead of going to a weird cult thing, Betty visits Archie and Fred, who finally get their junkyard jalopy running in the garage. Uh, That was pretty cool, I guess. Uh, Veronica confronts Hiram on his, and I quote, Iago-like attempt to keep uh, (laughs) her and Archie apart. Veronica begs her father to help Archie, since he's the only one who can. And I've got beef with the sound design here. Because the soundtrack wants us to believe that there's some possibility that this entreaty to Hiram's better angels could possibly succeed. Obviously it doesn't. And like, don't score your episode like there's some chance that this is a dramatic moment that will have an impact when literally it's just one of our char- one of our main characters asking the villain, like, can't you just be nice instead? Right. You're tired of it's going like- apeshit. Don't you just want to be nice? The answer is no. <laughs> no, of course not. Hiram why loves did we, going Why did we shit. film this? <laughs> I mean, <sighs> nothing happens for 45 minutes. They had to fill it somehow. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get to that. Archie gets a serpent tattoo from FP. Jughead advises him to get tight with the serpents in juvie. FP stresses the need to keep his mind healthy as well. He also smacks the fresh tattoo, which no one would ever do. Do you know how much that would hurt? It would, would hurt so suck bad. pretty bad. Suck it pretty would hurt bad. so bad. But not nearly as hurtful as the suggestion that Just... Archie is somehow going to keep his mind together in, in prison. <laughs> yeah. Because he can't, he can't even go to school without putting a gun in a toilet. <laughs> right. And I don't know. I just, I want to I spend a second longer on that slapping the tattoo thing. Maybe it was just the spank of life. You finish the tattoo, you got to give it the spank of life. I have a friend whose dad was a tattoo artist by hobby, and he used to do what he called setting the tattoo, which was basically smacking it immediately after finishing it, and he he just tattooed, like, his friends and family, so basically he was just fucking with them. But also, like, having had several tattoos done, uh, no fucking thank you. I, if you, like, brush it against your clothing wrong, that's, that's pain from hell, and I don't- If someone (laughs) smacked my tattoo, if I had a tattoo artist that smacked my tattoo after it was just finished, I would punch them and probably still pay them, but maybe give them a smaller (laughs) tip than I normally would, and I would never go back. 
Well, your tattoo artist has never been Freddie Prinze Jones. Oh, God. Also, just Skeet in glasses is so good. Oh, yeah. It's very sexy. It's really good. I missed him. I I missed there being, like, someone who can have, like, some level of humanity or gravity at all. And, like, Mash and Amit can do that, but she's not going to be allowed to until later in the season. Because we're clearly going to have another, like, another Alice Redemption arc over the course of the season. Because that's all we fucking do in this show. Speaking of Alice, unintended but great segue. Alice is reading Betty's diaries, which, by the way, are like five hundred volumes. Yes, it's just it is a it is a like fantasy series. Well, she said she's been journaling for years, but not how many. And, like, and I'm led to believe that yeah, it's maybe yeah. like ten plus. Well, like I'm well, but but like I'm led to believe are none of them archived anywhere? Are none of them in storage? Like, is she just constantly referencing everything she's ever written? Like. <laughs> Given what we saw in the last book, never mind. I'm moving on. <laughs> exactly. If if we take the accounts from the books to be in any way canonical, she must have a vast library. No, she's on that John Doe shit from Seven. You're you're absolutely right. Anyway, this is because Edgar says that it's unhealthy to journal. Uh, the cult leader Edgar Evernever says that it's unhealthy for a teenager to have a diary. Uh, okay, I get that most teen diaries are not literally eight gigantic books but still the idea that she's like yeah this guy says it's unhealthy for a teen to journal and i believe him is just infuriating uh it comes to an impasse of course but polly brattily reveals that she knows something else about betty that alice ought to know and that is the end of the scene oh no so at the party again celebrating the fact that cheryl and tony went on a road trip over the summer. Josie informs Sweet Pea that their summer fling, hey, that actually happened from the book, wow, had an expiration date and that she must now return her full focus to her music now that school is starting, which, read from a certain perspective, doesn't make a lot of sense because, like, music can be practiced when school isn't. You would think you would have more time for music when school is not happening. Maybe we're just to infer that she was, like, 100% music almost over the summer, and, like, the fact that school is taking X number of hours from her makes her not have time for anything besides school and music, but... That tracks. Maybe she's spending the same amount of time on music, but then school's also a factor, so sweet people. Right, right. I think that's what it has to be. Definitely. it, It invited a weird read just with the way that it was presented, and I was like, hmm, well, that must be what I'm meant to think, but all right. Kevin suggests to Moose (laughs) that they make a pact to lose their virginity by Halloween. He's super casual. Wait a second. (laughs) Yeah, like it's. Let me just get something. I mean, I hate to use the word straight, but let me get something (laughs) straight here. Was Kevin just trading instant pot recipes with those men in the woods last season? Right. I don't know. What I don't know what he's counting. I, not to be blue, but like, what is he counting as losing his virginity? I have like, a very strong like recollection of there being a cruising storyline yeah, last but season. Maybe he was just like sucking dick. Maybe that's it, and he doesn't consider that. Like, encroaching on his virginity. Okay, the point is they have set this scene up in a way where we need more information to make sense of it. Yes, because... And this show is not going to give us that more information. Well, and also, what have he and Moose been doing all summer? Well, right, like, trading instant pot recipes. His whole relationship <laughs> right. with Moose 
over this whole thing is weird. And what's even weirder is in this scene, Moose doesn't respond. Moose is just like... He sits there and takes it. But he also doesn't say like, yes, I agree. By Halloween, we'll get our dicks wet. (laughs) He's like, oh God, I I literally just can't wait for this moment in my life to be over. I don't know how to break it to you, bud, but we lost our virginity a long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) I really want to know what Kevin thinks it means now. Yeah, Kevin Kevin <laughs> thinks that it's not real. You haven't really lost your virginity until you have jointly taken over the kingdom of Theodore. Right. Or, <laughs> until this point, it's just been fucking. He's never made love before, and you don't oh, lose your okay. virginity until you make love. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, oh, God. Mm-hmm. Yep, 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 yep. Archie admonishes Reggie to keep the peace between the serpents and the bulldogs if he goes away. No more red circles, no more dark circles, or just... Basically, this big old do as I say, not as I have done my whole fucking life speech. No more circles, red, dark, or otherwise. Was the yes. Quote. I hate it. Real spicy take coming from Archie, who, you know, just season two, yeah. suffice to say. Cheryl is concerned for Archie, feels guilty that she can't save his life, which would be fair, as he saved her life back when the show had some idea about making sense or being good. I- back when... Uh, the craziest thing that happened is Archie Andrews tried to fight a river. Right. Yeah. 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 Yep. Um, I have I have two notes um, about this. First of all, pool couch. I hate the pool couch so much. There's just like a regular indoor inside the house couch sitting by the pool. And I hate it so much. I think it's just opulence, right? Like there's a couch for before you get in the pool. And then there's different furniture for after you've been in the pool. I know. I understand that. And I hate it. I hate it so yeah, much. That's, it's, 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 uh, yeah, that's true. It's fair to still hate it. And I also think that a pool party is a really weird setting in which to discuss a suicide attempt. Like, I mean, do whatever you want, Cheryl, I guess. But I personally, I would not be comfortable discussing such things in that setting. I... Cheryl does not have any self-consciousness or shame, though. Like, right. like I don't think that there's like any group of humans in front of which she would not be comfortable discussing a single goddamn thing ever. That's a that's a good point. I it's I much more likely said, that people would would beg her not to talk about <laughs> something in front of them. Like yeah. she just appears from around a corner and just like anyway, yeah. So I was getting ready to kill myself. <laughs> like that seems like a very Cheryl uh, Cheryl mood. Cheryl, stop talking about your balls. <laughs> <laughs> Veronica despairs that Mary isn't interested in her going to the stand to testify on Archie's behalf. And Josie just tells Veronica and Betty where the jury is sequestered so that they can go tamper with the jury. So the entire jury is sequestered in one room. Isn't it 12 That is right. Yeah, it is very sweaty in there. (laughs) They all have each other's illnesses now. And... Like, I just want to point out that all of these kids' Save Archie plans are just so goddamn good, folks. Like, let's go to Shadow Lake and almost get blown up in a shed and freak out about thunder a lot, uh, is followed by, let's go tamper with the jury. That'll help. It's a lot. Jughead then sees Dilton Doily creeping about, accompanied by an awesome horror movie soundtrack sting. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and like 
born movie handheld juddery shot. But Fangs interrupts the spooky time to let Jughead know that the ghoulies have dognapped the serpent's mascot. And I just gotta, I gotta say, those bastards have hot dog is the best line that's ever been written. <laughs> Unfortunately, they quickly undo any goodwill by later referring to hot dog as a spirit animal. Yep. Ugh, that's horrible. Also, like, really weird considering that their gang is named after a different kind of animal. Um, not yep. that I'm condoning the use of the phrase spirit animal, because I'm not. I just think that that's a weird way to use it, given their whole sort uh, of thing. Hold, I want to slow down for a second here and ask you a question. And that question is, what is a hot dog <laughs> but a meat serpent? <laughs> <laughs> That no! is that is some no! like excellent galaxy brain like shit. That. No, god damn it! Those bastards have hot dog. Oh god! We got it. We got to get him back. Apparently, it was riot night that the dog was taken, and nobody noticed. noticed? Yeah, until now, or maybe he was just missing, and they found out just recently that he was in ghoulie custody. We're not That's going to handle those logistics. It, but... apparently, they're not feeding him well. The fuckers. Betty insists on going along on the rescue op, uh, which Jughead, you know, was initially being protective, but uh, relents quite quickly. And well, that's because we a just... serpent queen. queen is a warrior a queen. Warrior queen. <laughs> 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 My note on that is, uh, that's it. I'm cyberbullying, just for the record. Just yeah. Wanted to put that out there because I hated it. And I gotta say, we end another scene in a row on an excellent line. Let's bring hot dog home, shall we? <laughs> Jughead says, like, oof, wow. Archie overhears his parents despairing of his fate back home and reassures them that he is indeed a dumbass and his <laughs> problems are his own fault, which is true. Like, that's absolutely true. Everything he says is right. But his parents Somehow. insist that he doesn't deserve to go to jail for a murder he didn't commit, which, you know, is also true. It's fair. But then Archie basically turns around and says, but what if I did? <laughs> what <laughs> yeah, if like, I did, actually? I didn't murder him, but I could have. <laughs> so I, I still deserve I the punishment. It's amazing. Anybody could do anything, so why don't we just lock everybody up in the world? Yeah, let's all yeah. go to jail. We should all be in prison all the time. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> If you ask um, Cole Sprouse or Lily Reinhardt, you might hear an argument that Riverdale itself is a prison. Oh, yes. Uh, I think that my good friend Michel Foucault might also argue the same thing. Mm, yeah. Sheriff Mineta, famously a stooge of Hiram, uh, cuts Veronica off at the pass on the whole jury tampering thing. I'm sorry, uh, but... Yeah. In my brain goes when you say, Sheriff Mineta, famously a stooge of Hiram Lodge... My vet brain then fills in the back end of that sentence, and not a diaper-wearing grape pervert. <laughs> yeah. I so, can't not think of him. I, I definitely, I you know, we did the River News and River Notes for season two, where this character was, uh, you know, introduced before I had exposed myself to any My Hero Academia media, and yeah, that's gonna just be a problem now, isn't it? Yeah. They both suck ass. They really One do. of them sucks so much worse. Corrupting an entire sheriff's department is is a tiny sin compared to being that motherfucker. Fair enough. He's he's just like a being of pure evil, and I hate him so much. I 
hate him. Anyway, the less bad Minetta cuts Veronica <laughs> off at the pass with the jury tampering. Hermione tells Veronica that while Hiram probably won't just straight up murder his own daughter, he might murder his own wife. Like, that might be a thing that happens, that she is a prisoner in her situation, blah, blah, blah. This is probably just bullshit. Like, this is probably just manipulation. But this is Riverdale. So they can just have this assertion that Hermione is making about her own character break whichever way they want for instantaneous convenience of plot. Mm Mm-hmm. So, like, we have to take it seriously, sort of, or at least in a Schrodinger way, even though it makes no sense and is dumb. Yes. Yep. Yeah. The hot dog rescue operation begins with the serpents hanging out for a full hour, ostensibly to stake out and make sure no one's around, but they're just, they're out in the open eating snacks! That's not how a stakeout works. If you are yeah, it is. <laughs> moving around and making noise yeah. and being visible. No, let me tell you, Rob, the stake is out. <laughs> Indeed. In fucking deed. And like, so they're an hour. They're sitting there and Jughead's like, coast seems clear, walks up and is instantly caught <laughs> by Penny Peabody and like Mordecai or whatever the fuck the ghoulies leader's name was. <laughs> Um, Penny wants Jughead's jacket. Like, it's just, like, super petty. It's like, yeah, we're, you're taking this dog, but, or whatever, but I want your jacket. And, like, because, and and she says, it's because they kicked the serpents out of the South Side, so they're not the South Side serpents anymore, so their jacket is out of date. Their jacket is false advertising, so Jughead needs to give the jacket up. Uh, and Jughead starts, like, negotiating the terms for the turning over of his jacket. But a serpent never sheds their skin. It's like he's forgotten who he is. Something like that. Hot dog's just that important. (laughs) Agamemnon, or whoever the ghoulies leader's fucking name, starts to step, and Cheryl just fucking shoots him in the shoulder with an arrow. I love her so much. Penny Peabody orders all the serpents killed, but Jughead tells Cheryl to kill Penny Peabody first. (laughs) Penny Peabody calls it off because in Jughead's words, Cheryl doesn't miss. She don't miss. (laughs) Now it's a gang war on the north side as well. Holy shit, this escalated fast. They just wanted to get Hot Dog back from those bastards. The cool, the ghoulie leader's name is Malachi. Um, just, just for the record, he was bothering me. <laughs> I reserve the right to forget it again for a bit. That's oh, fine. Oh yeah, I just I assumed won't. that was a bit. <laughs> Archie has a super histrionically scored dream about him actually shooting Cassidy. And, like, okay, there's no transition. It just feels like an extension of the escaping with hot dog scene. Yeah, because like, it, they're like, both in the woods. They're both, like, lit the same. Yes, the lighting and tone is very much the same. It's incredibly disorienting. It is super fucking confusing for no reason. Yes. FP informs Jughead that Dilton was around and wanted to talk to him. And, like, gives his son a bit of a pep talk about his difficult serpent situation. Alice then confronts Betty about the magic Adderall forging scheme that somehow has continued to work despite the psychiatrist being a fictional invention of Betty. Which we we already litigated this in pros and cons, but holy shit. 
I have a question. Um, yes. In my memory, the Adderall did not come up at all in season two, right? No. Am I? I don't really think so. No. I don't think it did. And it just came up in like the first episode of season one. So we went basically two entire seasons without addressing Betty's Adderall addiction at all. And now it's like the thing for this first episode of season three. Yes. Yeah, just... absolutely. And and we are, again, we are to understand that she does not have a real, she's somehow forging a prescription, not even from a real psychiatrist, but from a psychiatrist who doesn't exist and wouldn't be in anyone's records. I couldn't get a refill on my Zoloft from my real psychiatrist. Like, wh- how? How? And Adderall is so much harder to refill. There's so oh, yeah. many it legal make any constraints. Sense. It's a nightmare. But, like, the character beat is that Alice has 180'd on prescription medication simply because Edgar has told her to feel different about it and that medicine is bad. Because uh, she was the one pushing her daughter to be on Adderall to, like, academically achieve or whatever in the first episode of season one. And, like, she has 180'd because this person told her to. Uh, that's that's what we have to like take from this scene. Like we can't we can't like sit here trying to figure out how the plan to get the Adderall works because it absolutely doesn't, and that way lies madness. Uh, the core four then burn up the fucking road on the restored junker to another v- violent top forty music cue. Uh, they go to the swimming hall, and Archie makes the quite bad taste joke of saying, "Last one in gets a sticky Mabel." I thought the same thing. I'm like, bro, that's fucked up. <laughs> Remember how I mean, your girlfriend was, like, traumatized by that? And you're just gonna make a joke? That's cool. That's fine. That's totally normal. I mean, good. It, it, we do need to bring up again that, like, eating maple syrup or having maple syrup on your body is not the, the act of sexual intercourse. Because <laughs> oh, there was some confusion about that. That's <laughs> what Kevin meant when he said he needed to lose his virginity. Oh my god! <laughs> to give him a sticky maple yeah okay okay fine i i i i have no way to argue against that uh anyway veronica's the one by the way veronica is the one who is last into the pool so she's the one getting the sticky maple i guess great very bad there's a oh i hate this there's a sign that says no swimming after labor day What the fuck does that mean? When Labor Day passes... Oh, man. The, um... The Nixies and other water spirits in this hole get really uppity about their workers' rights. And so if you're swimming here, it's not safe anymore. Like, but only after Labor Day. They forget at some point later in the year. Like, no... And and after which, like, Labor Day... Like, it's always after some Labor Day. We're in some, like, the rules of not making gremlins out of Mogwai shit here yeah. with this sign. And, it, and why? Why is this here? What is... It's like, it's so, this completely it, facile, like, oh, these kids don't follow the rules. <laughs> but isn't it? But it's supposed isn't to be Labor, Labor Day, Day weekend? So yeah, they haven't even transgressed. Is, I think it's supposed to be like, oh, this is your last time to swim before Labor Day happens. God, it's even worse than I thought. And like but that's a metaphor for what's going on in their lives. Sense. That's yeah. how you do a metaphor. You just write the words on a sign. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Oh Jesus. It's 
it doesn't make any sense. Is it like the same thing where you're not supposed to wear white after Labor Day? Like, does that only last until the end of the calendar year and then it starts over know. in January and then from January they... to September? It doesn't make any sense. But the the camera thinks it's real worthwhile. Yeah, it lingers. Like, it like really it's is like, like oh yeah, that's our scene end right there. Ha ha yeah, that's the shit. Archie blames himself for Cassidy's death because he left him alone with Andre, master of the martial arts, and because he's basically a piece of shit in general. Uh, then the couple's fuck. Yeah. Don't forget that Jughead burned the shit out of the marshmallows. That is <laughs> his technique? <laughs> they were black and crispy. Well, they were black and contained active flames. Yeah, yeah, and it was pretty rough. Yeah, that's, that's the, that's, he likes the Cajun s'mores, does Jughead. <laughs> um, but Archie does not want Veronica to wait for him if he goes to prison, but she wants instead to bus in with all the other, quote, prison widows and won't hear otherwise. That doesn't make sense. This begins a long thread of this juvenile detention center just being, like, a horrifying private maximum security prison and not, like, anyway. Uh, I mean, there are, like, more prison-like... I'll accept it to a degree because there are some really horrific, nasty places that uh, juvenile offenders can go. But, like, there are things about how the prison exists as an institution and the way it interfaces with its community and people visit it and stuff that just completely beggar the imagination. But we'll we'll, we'll get, get into to that it. episode two. That's like a big thing yeah, with yeah. episode two, okay, as is but, covering Archie and white powder. Oh, Jesus. Um, related, if he... He's like a donut. <laughs> um, if, he, if he were charged for first-degree murder... Wouldn't he go to like regular jail or prison rather, and not juvie? Like there aren't enough teens to take their shirts off in in like real jail, Arlie. Oh, God. That's kind of what I thought that's, too. Yeah, it's like yeah, that's, it, that's it seems like he's being tried as an adult. Yeah, I have but, no reason to assume he's not being tried as an adult. Let's say it that way. makes sense. Anyway, Dilton shows up to rant at Jughead about griffins and gargoyles, and I am so hyped. I'm I'm so hyped, and also. I don't know how any of y'all are feeling, but I gotta respect the drip on Dilton in this scene. Yeah, no, he's he looks fresh to fucking death. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. He's really like it's it's a little different than yeah. season one and two, no, isn't it? He's looking nice. He looks way fresher. Yeah, yeah. and uh, like. Jughead just sort of handles him like he's someone who needs to come down from something. Just needs some time to calm. But yeah. I'm all like, fuck this other stuff. Stay with Dilton. Stay on Dilton, production team. He's got a fucked up drawing with him. Listen, <laughs> this is obvious. It's just like the book. Here is obviously the most interesting thing going on, and we're getting precious little of it so far. Right. And I, Sad. Yeah. I have to say, Sad. My, my lens on all the Griffins and Gargoyles stuff is in part, I think, compromised from the books because of all of the questioning that like that drew up. That it's hard oh, for yeah, me to interact with it. clearly just borrowed from the future. It's and it's hard for me to interact with it from like a pure standpoint. Oh yeah. Um. So it's it's hard for me to talk about. I think it rescued some number of pages in that awful book by being more interesting than the other stuff going on, but but now like this slow burn isn't working quite as intended because we know all kinds of weird details already. Right. Uh. But it's still the most interesting thing by a fucking lot. Anyway, in court the jury remains deadlocked and the prosecutor just 
offers a plea deal publicly in court. Like, the, the opposing counsel has a plea deal that they offer live in court that has well, legal weight. that happens. Apparently. Uh, and, uh... So, yeah, Archie's just pleading guilty for a shorter sentence. He's allowed to just do that, too, by the way. Just a verbal agreement, like, in the courtroom. Like, that, that's it. Ba-bang. I also want to note that Cheryl's court outfit in this scene is fucking immaculate. Um, she has a red bra on, because of course she does, and a blue lace collared shirt. And it's just, like, the best thing I've ever seen. It's absolutely not something you would wear to a courthouse, and I love it. Just wanted to make that note. It's great. Uh- Understood. <laughs> Archie scores a big own goal here, were it real life, given that there's literally no case against him, but this is Riverdale, so he would have lost eventually, right? Because he has to go to jail, because that's what we're, like, really thirsty to do. Right, that's the story we need to tell. Yeah. There's an emotional music montage, and Hiram looks very pleased with himself. Veronica pledges revenge and low-key disowns him, and who knows, maybe she'll give him some more valuable property or help him take complete control of more of the city, you know, as a way to really stick it to him. I kind of assumed that after the end of last season, like, Veronica had, like, moved out, and, like, they just weren't dealing with each other. Like, that felt like a pretty hard break to me, but I guess not. I guess not. Uh, Jughead comes home to find Dilton gone, but a fucking graph paper dungeon map with mysterious runes and a pagan idol of some sort sketched on it. Oh, I'm so, so excited about this. I love it. <laughs> and we get an amazing production moment afterwards. The map absolutely does not match the map of Riverdale up on the wall. But Jughead (laughs) holds it up to compare, and the soundtrack tells us that it definitely does match, even though it doesn't. I don't get it. I don't know. It's it's wild. I don't have words for it. There's a tree drawn on the map where there are woods around Riverdale. Case closed. In a field, there is another room of the dungeon. Just like, here's some empty space with a dungeon room in it. And it... And, like, we pull out the shot, and we see a wider shot, and we see that Dilton's map is, like, one-sixth of the size of the Riverdale map. And Jughead had just magically put it in the place where the tree lines up, and that means something, folks. (laughs) I mean... (laughs) The soundtrack tries to bluff and gaslight us so hard here. Like, more drama, more drama, more drama. We gotta force this through. Jughead follows his definitely actually did match for sure map out to find a spooky altar of bones and sticks and shit and finds Dilton Doily and Ben will find out his name in the next episode. It's very good. Prostrate (laughs) before it with runes cut into their skin and blue poison gurgling from their mouths. It's great. It's very, it's a lot. Don't forget about the spooky vandalism on the Riverdale sign. It's just, it's the same runes as is everywhere else. Uh, mm-hmm. the, oh, neat. I missed shit. that. I'm sure it matters a lot. It's, yeah, there's just a, there's just a couple seconds of a shot of the Riverdale. It's the town with pep sign, but like with the runes on it. It's great. Love it. Riverdale. Nice. It's the town with runes. <laughs> it's the town with Zalgo. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> Betty walks downstairs and sees Alice and Polly outside, just casually dropping the twin babies, Juniper and Dagwood, into a bonfire. But don't worry, folks. 
The babies float a couple of feet above it. Never you mind how heat works. They're fine. <laughs> Betty passes out and has a seizure. So obviously the baby thing didn't really happen. Episode ends. It comes time now for us to discuss the good, the bad, and the weird. Uh, who? I, since I introduced the episode, should I start with like... I believe that's how it goes. With with Is that how we do it? It's been so, so long. Uh, so my Riverdew, I have a, I want to, I want to call out a runner up Riverdew, which is just the madness of how fast things escalate between the ghoulies and the serpents to arrow shooting and shoulders and death threats and kill orders and stuff. Like it was just, oof, it was a lot. Uh, I had a lot of fun with that, but my, my Riverdew just by leaps and bounds is the Jughead holding up the map and seeing where a tree is. <laughs> matched up with like a section of woods which by the way Riverdale is a town surrounded by woods not only for how like incredibly stupid it is but just the idea of like a weird ARG flavored mystery having to do with a role playing game in this show is so exciting i'm so, like i'm ready to just buckle up for this unbelievable hell ride and that's my riverdue that was the part that i got the most excited about by far i feel you there it was pretty good my riverdue is like i felt like it was kind of hard to find a lot to pull on in this episode because there actually wasn't all that much that happened oh my god this episode was such filler and so for me, like, there's this moment of uh, Veronica and Hiram sort of, like, setting the stakes of their relationship in this season and the way that it's carried on from the last season where Hiram basically says, I'm not doing this to hurt Archie. This is your punishment, like, for betraying the family. And I like where that sets the stakes, potentially. I don't trust the show yeah. oh, of course not. to handle it, but it is. It sort of evokes an interesting conflict. That's totally fair. And I think that if we're not allowed to praise things in potentia, like we're going to have a lot of trouble with the fucking Riverdews. Oh, yeah. So like, let's not even entertain like that restriction on ourselves. <laughs> like, let's not put that anchor around our necks and jump into the sweet water swimming hole. Oh, God. Um. It was really hard for me to pick a Riverdue for this episode, um, mostly because I missed the actors a lot, and it was good to see them again. Um, but I think it's actually gotta be uh, no swimming after Labor Day. It's just, it's just so baffling that it's joyous. I don't know. It's that's it. That, as they say, is environmental storytelling. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah. yeah, that's what that is. Alan Moore sits at the side of this shot, just stuffing his mouth with popcorn and jujubes. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, it's River Don'ts time. Taking a walk on the dark side here. And just from the tone of my, like, rundown of the episode, it should surprise no one that my River Don't is like, God damn it, they're doing this to Alice again. Ding, 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 Stop. ding, ding. Stop doing this to Alice! Yeah, that's gonna be a two times combo. I'm so tired of this shit! It sucks, and it sucks even worse that they're like, yeah, Alice is reset back to being shitty. Also, you're Quinn's mom now. <laughs> <laughs> but like, ugh. The redemption was less powerful in season one than it was in season two. So while it was dumb, Eventually, I was going to get over it. 
And, like, the arc of season one, season one was a short season. Yes, it was. But, like, what they did with Alice in season two, you can't do this now. You bastards. It makes no sense, and it sucks to watch, and it's boring because we've done it before. Like, I think this turn for her character is bad in every way that a thing can be bad. Yes. Uh, so, and, like, on a meta level, you're wasting one of your three best actors, too. So, like, good. Good fucking job, you idiots. Uh, yeah. So that's, okay, that's also Quinn's, so that's that's nice and quick. Arlie, what, what sucked? Uh, the fact that they're still using the phrase spirit animal. I don't remember what year this was recorded, but certainly recently enough that, like, we've generally decided that that's not an okay thing to do. Um, Should have been 2019, I think. Now, technically... Maybe 2018. Not to be that guy, but the serpents are an outgrowth of a Native American tribe. But Jughead is the fuck ain't. Jughead was the one who said it. If Tony had said it, maybe I would not be as annoyed by it because she's established as being, like, of indigenous lineage. But Jughead is the one who said it, so... Therein lies my. Nah, what I was on my way to saying is that like it's Riverdale and like they're not gonna do a good job. Wait, also no, like, even not. if they try to build in like some form of narrative justification, they're not going to like do it right. This is also where I want to draw attention to something that had slipped my mind that has been brought back to the forefront. With the serpents are tied geographically and historically to Riverdale. Like yeah. because like they have this thing with General Pickett, like the, the native population. But then there's a point earlier, there was a weird thing that got mentioned about serpent contacts in the book. Yes, we mentioned we that mentioned that doesn't that really make any sense. But then in this episode, at the campfire, uh, after the swimming hole, Jughead's like, I've got serpent contacts up north. Oh yeah, in Quebec. <laughs> yeah, you know, the, the Quebecois serpents. So, the serpents are an international gang <laughs> that just the Riverdale chapter of it are from a native tribe. I maybe I don't know. Uh, I mean, like I, we're doing too much work trying to do their world building for them. They obviously don't give a fuck. <laughs> they clearly so, don't. No. Um, weekly weird. It's time for the best part. My my weekly weird is the scene between Kevin and Moose at the pool party, <laughs> folks. Uh, what does Kevin think virginity is? <laughs> I feel like what has he been that. doing this whole time? I think either they've been giving each other sticky maples the whole time and not doing real sex, or they've been doing what the rest of the world considers real sex, and Kevin wants the maple syrup. <laughs> I don't know which one it is, but I feel like it's gotta be one of those two. Dress me for breakfast, daddy. Yep. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> They're leaving. They're leaving the podcast. I'm sorry. I just have to, I have to look away for a second. <laughs> what the That's fuck my weekly. Wrong? That's my weekly weird. It was such a like I like an incomprehensible scene. It's not an excuse for what you just said. I don't make excuses. I'm like I'm doing a blow by blow Riverdale review podcast. I'm the most horrible kind of trash that exists on this planet. I. If I were to be burned, breathing my fumes would kill everyone. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Safest how it is. My weekly weird is this is going to be touching back on like the legacies of 
season two is the the legal system in this world just doesn't make any sense. It's completely inscrutable to me. And I have no idea what's going on from like a legal standpoint at any time because these are not my laws. Oh yeah, no, they're just like, well, we're, it, this is, this, yes, this is definitely the descendant of, well, we're closing your school so that we can have more cops on the north side. Yes. Like, just none of this works this way. Holy shit. <sighs> um, my weekly weird is the pool couch. I, I don't understand it, even from the standpoint <laughs> of it's, it's meant to communicate absurd opulence. It doesn't. I feel like most people who have a lot of money, they overly value their material objects. And I, I speak from experience of living in the house that I live in. My mother would never, ever, 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 ever put a couch that looked like it had velvet upholstery near a pool. That doesn't make any sense. No one would do that. I hate, I can't, I cannot wrap my head around it and I refuse to believe it. I just have a very strong image of my head after a pool party at Thornhill of one of the Blossoms taking out just a giant blow dryer, just like a <laughs> backpack-sized blow dryer, and just blasting it down like to try to avoid the water damage. <laughs> oh, God, you'd have to get, like, a wet vac or something. Oh, Jesus. It doesn't make any sense. They wouldn't do that. They, it, I, I refuse they did no. though. I saw it. But I, but I, no, I refuse to accept it. <laughs> it didn't happen. I watched this episode three times. I still refuse to believe that it happened. So, so like, yeah, those are the weekly weirds. Those are the river don'ts. I think it's also fair to say that sort of an overall weird combination river don't and weekly weird is just the, just the uselessness of this episode. Yeah, it's not doing yeah. a lot. Like. We already knew that Archie was in deep shit and probably going to go to jail, but we got the confirmation that he's going to jail. And we got the development of, like, the Griffins and Gargoyles thing and the, like, whoa, holy shit, like, suicide pact altar thing with Dalton Doily and Ben. Those were the only things we actually got in the episode, and that was so few minutes. We got that the book didn't happen. Yes, we also got confirmation that Get Out of Town was fucking bullshit. But like, that's, that. but yeah, just, wow. It really is just like a filler episode with five or five to seven minutes of stuff that we could have just rolled into the next episode. Right. You might as well have started with Archie's guilty verdict. Yeah. Um, also kind of like the previous book where like it starts with just a bunch of shit that has nothing to do with anything, but I mean, it'll never, it'll never reach that level. Uh, thank you all for joining us on this, our first step back onto the journey of this television show. Uh, we're just, we're not going to pollute our read. We're going through in order. We're taking this seriously. I, I don't know why. Um, it's kind of a, like a Macbethian, like turning back is just as much bloody, uh, tedium as, you know, that whole thing. Anyway, thanks for joining us. We're going to be back next time with chapter 37 fortune and men's eyes speaking of shakespeare shit and we'll find out at least one way in which archie is like a donut so look forward to that uh for river juice and river notes i've been rob i've been quinn and i've been arlie we'll see you next time <laughs>